0: hey everybody my name is Alex and this is lunchbox radio now if you haven't listened to the podcast before I encourage you to go check out some of the previous episodes as I usually do um, the most recent episode is all about June is all about Juni Tyson a like 2017 battle royale anime in the style of something like the fate universe but centered around um, the animals of the zodiac each contestant is themed after a different animal um but i did a podcast on that that was pretty lengthy that was kind of like a fairly lengthy thing because i thought it was interesting even if it's not the best show necessarily um so definitely go check that episode out you can also check out an episode all about one piece film red or um my episode all about music videos If you have been listening to the podcast for a while and you're wondering what the hell is going on with the feed, um, long and short of it is that I have taken a break from the other two types of episodes that I've been doing because the Sunday editions, um, I want to be more than what they were now that they are also YouTube videos. I will post a link to the YouTube channel with the existing Sunday editions on it that have been videos for the past uh, couple for the past couple, and the, the news show, full on from a technical perspective, just fell apart because the um, tech to speech program I was using just gutted itself one weekend, and I was like, oh fuck, what do I do? So I put that on the back burner for the time being, kind of indefinitely until I figure out exactly how I want to do that super short form news show because I like doing it, but it's just it's a lot if I have to read the individual stories, so I wanted to avoid that, but um, I'll figure it out at some point, I swear Um, but on that note, I wanted to jump into what we're talking about this week, and that's a little show from this season um, on Netflix called Happy Marriage anime considered lunchbox radio Now, I came to Happy Marriage the way I come across most Netflix anime, and that is just browsing Netflix. I, I watch stuff on Netflix. I binge watch stuff on Netflix just like everybody else. I'm currently binge watching um, Ballers, the. Uh, I forget when Ballers came out, but it's a. It's a. HBO. show about. the financial world of football and, and eventually they get into like like extreme sports like surfing or skateboarding or stuff but at the, at the beginning for the first three seasons really it's about um, it's about the, the, like, the like personal finances of football players essentially and all that goes into that so much so that it's super about football and like they mention the NFL all the time and they, they skirt around, you know, the the Super Bowl. Although, they I think they do actually say the Super Bowl in the show a bunch of times. But, um, and they're allowed to use the branding, clearly. Like, they spent a lot of money just on the licensing fact of being able to do this. But the... Needless to say, I'm I'm watching that for real this time. I attempted to watch it when it was on when it was on HBO and didn't make it through it past the fourth season, but past the beginning of the fourth season. But I think I might actually pull it off this time. But suffice to say I you know, I watched stuff on Netflix just like probably everybody listening to this. I don't just watch anime. I watch a lot of anime But I also, you know, do things like I'm currently playing Bomb Rush Cyberpunk. Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. The um, new game from Studio Reptile that is just they just made, they just did a Jet Set Radio or Jet Set Radio Future. They did a third edition of Jet Set Radio. um, But they called it something else because Sega refused to make a Jet Set Radio. Um, So they did that for the universe and like all of us little freaks who love that game are super into it. If you like Jet Set Radio Future or you like Air Gear, you should definitely go play that game. It's kind of available wherever you can play games, from what I understand. Like I'm playing it on Twitch, but I know people are playing it on um, PC as well. So definitely you can play it on a Steam Deck if you choose. But um, definitely go check that shit out. Um, and then try and level with yourself of what the hell, why the, why isn't the uh, soundtrack widely available. But on any le- but on in any case, I came across marriage. I came across marriage story. And I was like, oh, or happy marriage as they call it. It's got a different, much longer Japanese name. It's called My Happy Marriage actually. But I came across it, and it looked like a particular breed of. Shojo Of, like, melodramatic... shojo drama... With pretty boys... And mean girls... And sad girls... And th- it's not... Not that... It is totally that... That fits it to a T... It's not like... Um, that show Ooku... Which I still have to watch the rest of... Which is... Super, like... It's having a discussion... Ooku is having a discussion about gender discrimination in a way that will allow you to watch it. (laughs) But at least in the first, like, hour-long episode they had. But this is much more of the shoujo historical drama vibe. But they add in something really clever. And they add in something really clever and make use of it in a way that... makes you understand the cruelty, if that makes any sense. So, um... Did a, did a shoujo manga from forever ago called hot gimmick if you've never seen hot gimmick, if you've never read hot gimmick hot gimmick is a shoujo manga from the period of time in japan when like the like the early 2000s late 90s period of time when companies and i don't know that they do this anymore but they probably do would own whole apartment buildings and you would live in your company's apartment building, I meaning all of the office politics, like magnified, and came home with you. So the main character is like the daughter of a, um, of a, of just like a salary worker at this company, and but like her upstairs neighbor is her is like the head, it's like the vice president of the company, and and. The vice president of the company's wife is a bitch on wheels. And so that creates this like weird structure for drama because, like, if she pisses off like her neighbor, her mother could get a pay cut or something like some insane nonsense. This isn't quite like that because it's a historical drama as well, but it's an alternate historical drama. So it's set. So basically, the, our main character, um, a character named um, Mio Saimori, is the kind of redheaded stepchild of her family. Even though she is the oldest, even though she is the oldest daughter, um, Kana, Kaya Saimori is the more prized child because of the Saimori kids, Ka- Kaya was born with this born with the psychic powers that are like the status symbol that function as status in this world so you have these families who traditionally grow up with psychic powers and then are useful in society in multiple ways but in the way that you see the most is as part of like this special breed of police that deal with essentially um you you're meant to see you meant to think of them as yokai, as like mischievous spirits kind of thing. But they they in a different show, that would be the whole point of the show. But in this show, it is the storytelling device to tell you, to tell you about how this world functions and What and what warps people's perceptions and how it's warped. So, from the second go, you see that Mio is just is abused by all of her family, by the rest of the Saimori family. She is just deeply and meaningfully abused, And, and. And, like, the way that, like, Cinderella is is abused in the beginning of the Cinderella story. She is made to be lesser than at every single, um, every single turn. She is the firstborn of this family that is wealthy enough to have servants, but because she was born without powers... She is pushed to the side and essentially made in, and basically made into a servant. her father doesn't care her stepmother actively hates her like deeply hates her and and it's like a bitch on wheels and kaya the kaya her stepsister is much the same is is much the same but with the cruel but with a kind of cruelty that is certainly learned from her mother but it also unrestrained by her years although fucking Kanako is a real piece of work and so what they do with Mio is they make this they make this character who has been emotionally and physically abused for most of her life for most of her life. She has been in a place in her life where no one cares about her. From her stepmother, who's a bitch on wheels, to her step sister, who's also a bitch on wheels, but like is unrelentingly cruel in the way, and once again, the way that would suggest she hasn't had the She doesn't have the tact to not do it in public, if that makes any sense. When you see Kanako, you see Kanako be cold in public, but you only see her be cruel in private. Kaya doesn't have the understanding of like, uh, if I'm cruel in public, other people will see it and that will cause problems. (laughs) Because we're supposed to be like a high-ranking family. And then you have Shinichi, her father, who... seems like he's trying to game the system and be a pow- and like acquire power for the family and he he sees his children both Kaya and Mio included as nothing more than that if Mio had been born with powers he would have pushed for her but she wasn't Kaya was so he pushed for Kaya it's not about Kaya being like it's not about him loving Kaya anymore. he loves them both equally, which is mostly not at all. He sees them as pawns to be played in a game of him acquiring pow- of him acquiring power through influence and the and the the story the the structure of the world applies this laterally across every across every. Across everybody below the age of twenty in this in this or or in the below across everybody in Mio's generation, it's very clear. Like, oh, if you're a woman, you exist to be married off. If you're a man, you exist to bring your family's status to the next level by marrying. By marrying, like, this is a very feudal situation of like children are for marriage for political and social gain. And so I want to take a weird um I want to take a weird detour here. Um Jobless Reincarnation recently had one of uh, one of yet another of its banger episodes where they basically just went they bought a slave they bought and they bought they did one work they bought a child slave and everybody is super up in arms about um, Rudius a character who is from a time and place where he should know better um basically being okay with slavery even though he has the power to end a slave market if he chooses and the, and lots of people brought up all this stuff about the Korean War and, like, Japanese soldiers, you know, abusing Korean women and, and, you know, forcing them into sexual slavery. And that is all true. But what you have to understand there is we all know this. We all know this to be true. It is a truth. But most Japanese citizens would not have been educated in to the degree we were about what the fuck happened there in the same way that many people and that many people older than us do not know about the slave trade do not know about great migration and if you are listening to this you know like what is he talking about there's a whole fucking thing about the slaves and like reverse migration and great migration and like why a lot of black people went to Atlanta? Why a lot of black people went to New York and Chicago? I like that's all. But if you ask somebody outside of our country, they probably absolutely know about that shit because it's a stain on our culture, on our, on what we Americans can call our our, our national heritage that they can levy against us. That is true, and that is true of all countries. Like I, there are country, there are. Things we know about China that, China, that China, that the average Chinese citizen does not know about China, because we're from the outside looking in, and we see it from a different perspective, as well as us not having skin in the game for being educated about what our past is. In so a thing that's happening right now in reality is you're being ed is they're using pager you videos, which, if you've ever seen these, are these like very insidious, super like alt right wing educational videos in the style of something a little bit like Crash Course, but not as but certainly not as well done. Just just spout alt right nonsense at you, hope hoping that you don't know any better and that you will. Internalize this as fact when it's super not. Those are being used as educational tools in fucking Florida. There's gonna be some fucked up people who come out of Florida who are gonna need some course correction by other people in their lives. That is true of. And I'll get to why I'm going on the tangent in a minute. But that is true of a character, that would be true of a character like Rudia. There's a strong chance that he doesn't know a whole lot about what happened in 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 Korea, about what happened you know, to those characters. There's a really strong chance of that because it, and then he gets dropped into a new life where Slavery seems normal, and slavery seems in context just the thing that happens. And the, the author of the manga, and don't get me wrong, I, as a person of color who you look at my 23 and Me results, and there's a whole section, which I affectionately refer to as some slave shit, um, I, slavery's a nightmare. Slavery is... A, a pure evil thing it is saying someone is lesser because of the color of their skin or where, or where or how they were born it is fucked up it is fucked up and there are reverberations of it in culture in, in certainly Japanese culture and uh, in for the way they had slavery and like punishment and like difference and all that stuff And there are reverberations of it to this day in American culture all the fuck over the place. But I have the unique experience of being a very different person from most people, even most of you listening to this. And I see it from the outside. There are lots of people who do not see the kind of privilege they walk around with and they don't they can't connect the dots because that would require a whole shift in mind view that would take a couple fucking years most likely that a character like Rudius didn't have so when he's approached with oh slavery is normal here he prob he probably wouldn't be spurred on to do anything about it and um, there's a recent there's a recently released here, but not recently released in general, Hayao Miyazaki manga that features slavery. And it featured... And the main character doesn't abolish it, doesn't do his best to abolish slavery in that context either. And... They... the. Faulting people for not taking apart an entire system as soon as they see it is a really fucked up way to go. It's just a really fucked up way to go. It's not It's not that it's not evil. It's not that it's not problematic. But if you look at the depiction, the depiction in this, in something like with reincarnation, is a lot less... Is way less glamorized and way more realistic than the depiction in something like Shield Hero or in a lot of isekai manga who do shit with slavery like it's a real through line it's not good but and I'm not saying you even have to like it what I am saying is you should meet a story where it is and you should let the story use the tools it's trying to use to have a conversation about it because what they're doing with the, you know, little kid who they've added to the cast is they're having a conversation about coming back from, like, a fu- They're having a second conversation, because the first conversation is with Rudeus about this, about coming back from a fucked up place that you didn't necessarily put yourself in intentionally. And in the case of Julie, the, um, slave girl, the, the like, halfling slave girl that they buy... That's really what this, what her, you can see her arc pretty clearly from episode to episode. That's really what they're focusing on. It's her parents fucked up, owed a lot of money, so her whole family, including her, was sold into slavery to settle debts, which is not uncommon in the time period that this show is in. And so, they and they have a moment w- in the show where, like, Rudy's just like, "Oh, this girl's fucked up. Like, <laughs> this girl, this girl is like, in a place where, like, she may want her life to end, and that may be the best thing for her." And he does he he does hers a solid that he he believes to what he believes to be a solid that wasn't done for him, and they they have that conversation right there. Is it right? Is it the right headspace to be in? No. But it's a headspace that human beings should be allowed to entertain. And they move they move forward from there. And is it all of it perfect? No. But there was a time when we all lined up and went to Harry Potter and look how much fucked up shit is in Harry Potter. Even at first glance, look at how much fucked up shit is in Harry Potter. Regardless of what she's, what what that fucking demon of a woman is up to on on Twitter slash X now. But the reason why I'm saying this is because I want to have a conversation about the um, first love interest that they introduced for Mio. A character named Koji Tatsushi. 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 And Koji is this character who is from a merchant who's from a merchant family who is deal who is has extensive dealings with the um with the with the Saimori family. And you're led to believe that you're led to understand that him and Mio have been first friends and then hopelessly in love with each other since childhood they have just they they've, they're past the point of confessing each other's feeling of confessing their feelings to each other they're now at the point of we are not in a position to act on these feelings because of the reality of the world and Mio Saimori is at a much lower station than, Ko- than Koji Koji wants to get her out of what he he truly recognizes is a nightmare scenario for the person he cares about. And his solution is if she married me because there is value in them getting married because it would raise the status of his family and it would, you know, help raise the status of her family, then I... A. Get to be married to the person I love but B. Completely remove her from a deeply abusive household and I know she loves me and it will make her happy and blah 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 blah. That's not how it goes because in the eyes of her father um, once again in the eyes of her father uh, she has no value. She just has no value. It's just straight up. Um, in the eyes of Shinichi, she has no value. So, what he offers the merchant family is Kaya, who does have value. And once again, this merchant family is, high, is higher ranking than normal because they have psychic powers. And so, Kaya is offered up as a bride to, to, um, to Koji. And Koji has to accept because it's, it's beyond him. And this is told to all three of them in a line in the cruelest way possible to Mio because the show wants you to know that it's being as cruel as possible at all times. This poor, beaten down, abused young woman. And at the same time, Mio is told, you're being married off too. But You're not getting, like, a carriage ride or anything. We're giving you the very few belongings you've hidden from the world and, like, been allowed to keep because your stepmother is a raging fucking monster who does things like throw out all of your biological mother's belongings so you have nothing to remember her by except for a comb you managed to hide. And then when you find the comb and you stick up for the one keepsake of your birth mother you have left, you are summarily shoved to the ground and then shoved in a storage in a storage barn for a full on twenty-four hour cycle so you know your place, you worthless, powerless bitch. You're being given everything you own and plus a nice kimono because you know we want to present the family in a nice light that that that's not a luxury for you that's a PR stunt for us and you're being sent off to this character name to this to the to the kudo household to marry into that household to curry more favor you are you are you are a bargaining chip you get no choice you and you don't even get to do it close to home. And you have to spend your entire day going on public transportation to your new place by yourself with no help. Only what Mio encounters here is she encounters somebody who is wealthy, who is powerful, who is thoughtful, who is caring, who is all the things... That she needs in a in not necessarily a out of a romantic partner but out of a person any person in her life could have truly done this for her and the the reason why I brought up um why I brought up uh Koji is because in kudo you see the kind of iron will that if Koji had he would have. Dealt with the the darkness at the heart of the problem here. So much of what Ko- so much of what you realize by the end of the first arc of this show, because I'm real, I'm really only talking about the first arc of the show, because it's k- still coming out. Um, so much of what you see, Koji do, is little kindnesses, little things that let her breathe for a moment. And those are important. I don't want to say those aren't important. But when you are... when you see someone in a deeply abusive scenario like this, those little kindnesses don't cut it. They won't end the problem. And... Koji's desire was to end the problem by like, swooping in, marrying her, and removing her from the scenario. But she has no... ...value to any of the adults... ...as a bargaining chip. So the best her father could figure out... ...how to do... ...and still benefit himself... ...to be clear... ...still benefit himself... ...is to... ...get... ...the one... To ...get the bargaining chip of value... ...Kaya married into his family... ...and... ...push to have... ...the benefit... ...the... ...the chip with no value... The chip with zero dollars of value married off into some other family, removing her from the household entirely, removing her from the entire situation. Which, in I want to look up his name. Um, the, in that character's defense, um, is not is not a bad plan. It's actually a relatively um uh, oh um in Minoru's case. It's actually a relatively um, intelligent plan because it's removing... Not, not because he has any love for his son, even, or what his son's goals were, but because he was trying to do a kindness on the way to getting what he ultimately wants. In Minoru's defense, however, that ends up being the right thing for Mio. He ends up, oops, delivering her to a rich and powerful and influential person who grows to care for her because what he encountered because in, in um, Kudo's case and the main love interest's case, um, in Kayoka's Kudo's case, he has he has rejected multiple suitors. And not just rejected, he has Tossed to the street, multiple women who have come be, who have come to be his suit, who to be his potential wife, because they want access, because they want access, they want wealth, they want something out of the arrangement, and he's just not into that. And he's in a position where he shouldn't be into that. So he's looking for someone who cares for him and who he can care for. And what he sees in Mio is this woman who is caring, who is kind, who is, who is. and who is also very clearly damaged. And he picks up on it pretty quickly. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, you may. There's a scene really early on in the show where she makes food. And anybody who's making food in a house would make themselves food at some point. It's just logical thinking. Like I need to eat, I should make myself some food. But he doesn't make. She doesn't make herself any food because she has been taught that she doesn't. That not even she comes last. She never gets a chance. She never gets. She will eat table scraps later. Hopefully, maybe. Eventually, she hoped. And Kudo is like lashes out at her. He's like what the fuck is wrong with you? You made me food but you didn't make you food. You need to fucking eat. You're a human being. And and it's not even like it's not even like a base level of caring. It's like a base level of understanding like all people should all things being equal like you should also eat. The way he treats it is like cold and indifferent and really fucked up he's like oh you won't eat this too? You, you didn't make any food for you it's clearly poison fuck you that's his response but his intended his intent is to be like you didn't make yourself food <laughs> Like, I'm not going to eat all this food that's awesome in front of you that you made if you're not also going to eat that's fucking weird why would I do that you're, and he's also functioning under the understanding that she's from a prestigious house. And eventually, he comes to the conclusion, like, "Oh, she's been abused for her entire life." What the fuck? And he open and he straight up opens an investigation into this family. And he's like, well, it's, he he his reasoning is, "Wait, she's from a prominent." ...family with like a name... ...with like a name... ...and like... ...a a fortune... ...and like... ...a a status... ...and status... ...what the fuck's happening here? (laughs) Why would she... ...why is this... ...why is this young... ...why is this young woman... ...who should have grown up... ...in luxury... ...and in privilege... ...so... ...fucked... ...up... ...like... ...from the fact that she doesn't... ...feed herself properly... To the fact that she is like subservient on every level, to the fact that her clothes are in tatters. And the the show makes pretty makes it pretty clear. Like she doesn't even look like she's a commoner who doesn't have superpowers. She looks like she's trash. And he's so upset. He's so upset by this. First, because he believes that like that's not how like someone of her, of, of her, a status that comes with her 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 family name should ever live, but also because he's like genuinely touched by the fact that like he gives her a gift and she wants to reciprocate, so she makes him a gift. And he's like, holy shit, you made me a gift. I will treasure it for all time. And he immediately starts wearing it. She makes him like a hair ribbon and he immediately starts wearing the hair ribbon. He's like, my old hair, burn all my old hair ribbons. This is what I wear now. (laughs) He is, he meets her kindness with equal kindness and they just kind of fall in love. But in... Kyoko's in the example that Kyoko Kudo sets, you see what the reality of somebody like um like um like Koji is. Koji Koji has superpowers. In the in the same not not on the same level as somebody like Kudo does, but he has superpowers. And he could have pushed harder. He could have abandoned his family. He could have gotten Mio and run away. He could have... He could have himself taken her... Out of this abusive... Fucked up scenario. And fixed it. He could have just done that. You never want to put... Onus on... An abused person. But it's okay to put onus on people, on the people outside of it. But the thing you also have to understand, and the reason why I brought up the whole controversy with Jabba reincarnation and Rudia, is people are are what's the word? Conditioned by how they came up. And conditioned by the society in which they are born into. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of... A lot of things. It takes a lot of privilege. It takes a lot of security. It takes a lot of self-confidence and courage... To fight against that. And to recognize... This is not right. And... The way they contextualize that... Is that with the superpowers... And the fact that she doesn't have superpowers... And she even says to herself... Like, Kudo only values me because I am a valuable person because I have powers, and I don't. Or or to him, I have powers, and I don't. As soon as he finds that out, I am trash again. But to Kudo's credit, he finds that out, and he's like, oh, fuck. Still, like, common decency demands that you don't fuck around, that you don't fuck with people like this. Like, just, like, as even if she doesn't have powers, she has value as a human with a beating heart. <laughs> and they, like, they you should not be abused simply because you don't, you don't have the power, like, you don't have mystical powers. And you see that he has this courage and conviction that Koji doesn't. And when push comes to shove, Koji can't act. He can't, he can't do anything more than the small kindnesses that pull the needle out for just a moment before shoving it back in as hard as possible. And in that, in that way, Kudo is much more of a security blanket, much more of a savior figure for Mio than Koji ever was. And it, it deeply upsets Koji because... He's now been married off to this Absolute spoiled piece of shit Kaya Who is just an asshole And as soon as Kaya finds out That Kudo is like Hedo is like Important and worth more than Koji She starts to wheel And deal To trade up She just starts to wheel And deal to trade up and she goes so far as to kidnap Mio and try and force her to say that she doesn't want this. She wants to be married to Koji instead. To Koji instead, and M- Mio, having be having gotten something that's real, something that's pure, something that's unvarnished, is um refuses to give it up. It has. She has, at this point, spent enough time with outside of this abusive environment to have enough resolve and self-respect to fight for something that she might want, to fight for a shape of a life that she wants that that is in no way connected to a life of abuse and neglect. And she holds that to the point of Kaya like basically beating her black and blue and abusing her and like straight straight up kicking her when she's down. And <laughs> Kudos response to this is burn this motherfucker down. And when Kaya tried to say like I'd be a much better match for you, Kudos like you absolute bottom feeding bitch of a cunt like he's like the way he puts it is like I never want to hear you speak again if you think about saying any single word to me don't you are not worth the air you consume you worthless fucking wretch and in that moment you as a viewer are like yes yes the the world the world is flipping upside down and it's as it should and what this story ends up being is a really masterful stroke of what so many of these of these stories in the vein of something like this marriage story, happy marriage, or something like Hot gimmick try to be, which is they're about the kind of abuse that can happen to people and the writing of that ship that needs to happen, how drastic and, like painful it can be and how but how satisfying it can be to see that happen for people you are seeing somebody in this show you are seeing somebody be removed from an abusive system and you are seeing the system around these two people doing their best to remove themselves from it have to fight for their own happiness and they just and at the point I stopped which I think is like episode 6 they introduced the next arc which is clear to be like even more fucked up and even more you know have even more issues with them just trying to be happy because what they what they've revealed is that um Mio's mother um Sumi Usaba is from like one of the top tier families. If Kudo is a top tier family, then the Usuba family is right next to it, and no one can figure out how, um, how Mio's father managed to bag Sumi Uba, but Sumi, but the Uba family and these powers can be can skip generations. So, whoever whoever's family has the child of Mio in it will have tremendous power and tremendous influence and tremendous all this stuff. Kudo doesn't... Um, Kyoka Kudo does not give a shit about that. He is not considering that on any level. He's like, but when he finds that out from, his, from the investigator he sends to the, um, to the Saimori household He's like, oh, this is about to get worse for this poor girl. <laughs> this is about to get worse for this person I now deeply care about. <laughs> I, need to, I need to act as a shield for this horse shit. Because, and it's not... There's not a savior thing going on here. There's a real understanding that Mio is abused. That you are dealing with an abused person who does not necessarily have the emotional or even physical tools to deal with what's coming for her. And she also doesn't know how to ask for help at the point at which you see her in the show so far. So somebody needs to help her. And up until... Kiyoka and his um live in Maid. Or not I don't think she lives with him. Um as, as in, up until Kiyoka shows up. Nobody nobody helps her. No nobody truly nobody help nobody removes her from the situation entirely. Nobody thought nobody looks at the problem and says, This is fucked. We need to remove her from this scenario in its entirety. And then we can make space for her to be happy. And to be clear, her father is not, does not get credit in this. Neither does Koji's father. They were horse trading. They viewed they viewed this girl as, oh, we can feed her, they viewed this girl as, oh, we can feed her to the meat grinder, and if we get lucky, we get curry favor. They did not think, oh, They do not really understand, oh, she has value. They don't get the credit for that. The only reason Koji's father fights for her is because he realizes, oh, if she marries my son, then that's the win. Once he realizes that that's the win, he's all for it. But until then, he doesn't give a shit. He does a passing favor for his son on the way to, make, to making his dreams come true. And his son is too weak-willed to truly do anything about it. And his son's older brother, who should be taking the hit here with Kaya or with this situation entirely, is has basically loafed off and said, fuck this. He... He has made the correct decision. The character in this, um... I want to talk about him, so let me get his name up here. The character in the pre-existing, like, universe who has made the correct decision is, um, Koji's older brother. And his name is... He's on the first character sheet on... on Mal. Because he has correctly, he's correctly seen that, like, everything about this is fucked. His name is, um, Kazushi. And Kazushi has kind of, like, he's recognized that there is something rotten about his father. He's also recognized that there is everything rotten about the Sumori household. And he's just been, like, he's essentially wiped his hands of the entire affair because he had the privilege to do so. And he has just walked away from it entirely. And once again, it took Mio being completely removed from the entire ecosystem that she knew in order for her to have a chance of being happy. And But the problem is, of course, with lots, and this is true, with lots of abusive abusive environment is as soon as that environment found out she had value it moved to bring her back into the fold against her will and to Kyoko's credit he was like nope fuck this burn it down and in that moment um, Shinichi Shinichi um, Mio's dad is like Oh fuck. The house, my the one asset I truly have, the thing that makes this all worse it. The house is burning to the ground as a result of us playing political games with my daughter who and and I want to be clear the idea of giving her respect never enters into this. He realizes he's wrong only because he's losing something tangible of value to him that is not a child. Both of his children are playing, are essentially playing cards that he deals. And the point of the, the point of these shows is to show the point of these show of of characters like Kyoka in these shows is to really show someone who's moving the world that they're in forward, not not trying, but it, it, this show shows you the kind of privilege and the kind of status and the kind of. Emotional fortitude it takes to do that. Koji doesn't have that on on any of those levels. He just doesn't have it. Kyoka Kudo does, and every single character in the show is like, "Oh, Kudo's your fuck." He's so much higher on the totem pole than we will ever be. We have to be real fucking careful. But the, the thing that nobody nobody with the exception of Koji understands. And Koji eventually is straight up like please help Mio. I can't help her myself. He goes to he goes to Kyoko and said please help Mio. I can't help her myself. And Kyoka essentially is like... You could have, you absolute moron. Where is she? (laughs) I'm going to get this done. But everybody... Everybody older than... Everybody older than... Mio and Koji... Is... uh, Mio, Mio, Koji, and Kyoka... are, Are essentially like Mio has no value. And so they don't understand that as soon as they, they don't know how to understand that she does have value. They can't conceive of it, ever. They can't conceive of her being important to someone because it's simply not possible. And that that's often in reality how people catch on to the fact that people are being abused. is because they response from the abuser is like, well, why would I consider her feelings? Why would I consider his feelings? Why would I consider their feelings? They don't have value to me. Why would they have value to you? They don't have value. And I, I this is totally one of those one of those kind of shoujo drama shows but what struck me and what was impressive to me was the fact that in this show's execution is such an understanding of abuse and the cycle of abuse and the and the understanding of how to create a scenario in which someone is deeply abused and it was and also how to create a scenario in which somebody is pulled from that abusive scenario into a better world that she couldn't have that, that abused person couldn't have gotten to reasonably without so much more than what they were and how to write a character who has been abused into a certain kind of personality where they're so they're so used to the abuse, they don't know who they are. They don't know what they're capable of. They don't know how to act. They don't know what to do. They don't know what they're what they deserve, because it's been so thoroughly removed from them by force. And and the, I, I the thing I want I want to talk about I want to end this with Kaya because Kaya's uniquely awful piece of shit here you don't know anything about shinichi or um, kanako the two, the two parent figure to the two main parent figure to mio and sumori except for they are exceptionally cruel in many ways um but in shinichi's case he's more cruel by association and by ignorance Kanako is outright cruel she's just a real piece of shit and you see in Kaya that's what Kaya is what a bitch and a half of a mother raises straight up like if your mom's a bitch you're gonna raise a bitch of a young woman like it's just gonna happen you see in Sumi Mio's mother, someone who is kind, someone who is thoughtful, someone who is appreciative of what she has when she has it, someone who loves the outdoors, someone who takes in the beauty of nature. You see someone someone who doesn't want for much, but when she gets things, loves them to pieces, and then you see in Kanako a social climber. You see a status obsessed, you know, needy piece of shit. And in Kaya, you see someone who could have been, who could have been kind, who could have grown up. A kind, caring giving soul, but who never stood a chance, because as soon as she was born she would because when she was born, she was born into a cursed scenario, she was born as a privileged child, she was born as the child who who would only be knocked down a peg if she didn't have powers. If the reverse scenario was also true. And who even then would have had an okay life because she would have been she would have been her mother's biological child. Meanwhile, her mother's non-biological child was not was was confirmed to be worthless when she didn't have powers. So, one of the best fakes in, one of the best fakes of a relationship in anime is the relationship that, I, that I've i ever seen is the relationship between um, Hilly, Queen Hilly from um, Ranking of Kings, and Boji. In that relationship, when you're first introduced to it, is... This—it seems like she's cold, like she's uh, not cruel but definitely mean and awfully judgmental of Boji. But what you come to find out is that she is. She very quickly realizes her actual son is just kind of an idiot. But she, but she also realizes that Boji needs someone to care for him and, like, deeply loves him. And she deeply loves both of her kids. But she knows that Boji needs someone there. And I'm starting to cry. Because Boji has less. And so he needs more structure. He needs more attention. He he needs a watchful eye. He needs a, an eye to judgment and to... But judgment that understands... What the world will see, will see him as, not what she wants, not what she wants to be to him, but what the world will be to him, what the, the kind of cruelty the world will usher onto this poor, deaf child. And in throughout the show, you start to see this character who loves and cares, Deeply beyond measure for a child who isn't hers, and in addition to her own child, and it's it, it bringing me to tears as I talk about it, it will bring you to tears in practice when you realize that that's a possibility for a disabled stepchild. The fact that you have essentially in the form, in, in Mia a disabled stepchild here. It breaks your heart. It breaks your heart that s- somebody like Kanako exists, can exist, does exist. And I, I've watched this pretty closely to when I watched um, the uh, um, the, oy- the um, Oyobon or whatever it's called. Um, which is all about, like, what if the majority of men died in um, the, the Oku? the oku, which was all about what if the majority of men died to a virus in, um, in the Meiji era of Japan, and so men became scarce and rare, and became... And so the gender roles swapped, and men became the prizes like women are in... Like, women were in actual feudal Japan, in actual most feudal places, and became bargaining chips. And... That show shows a woman who is just, like, straight up, like, fucking... This is fucked up. You you got sold into service. You, you sold yourself into service, but very clearly you have someone you love. Who is not me. And I got an opportunity to see you for who you are. And I am now going to give you... I, I have now... Constructed a scenario in which I am going to give you back into the world you came from, so you can be happy. And once again, that's an imperfect solution, but it achieves it achieves a thing that makes everybody, every tragic character in that scenario, truly happy. And they could, and like nobody did anything to that effect either. The, if. If the father was truly, like, was truly worth his salt, what he would have done is he would have... He, what he could have done is he could have staged an accident with her and removed her from the... Stand- he would have said, oh... Under... I can't... I can't do much for you in the world we live in. But what I can do is fake your death. And you can go and live a life you want to live it can't be here to be clear but you can live a life you want to live I, I failed but he didn't do that and the truth about emotional about like deeply emotionally and physically abusive environments is oftentimes they don't do that the, the fantasy version of this is much more something like the Ooku or something like the Ranking of Kings scenario between Hilly and Boji. The reality of this looks an awful lot like the beginning of Happy Marriage, of My Happy Marriage. And oftentimes the reason that people are extricated from those abusive scenarios is they are extricated from them because the abuser's fucked up. And you, very clearly in this show, the abuser's fucked up. They forgot to account for the fact that she was a human being, and she may, she may have value just because she's a human being. And because they forgot that, the system the the greater system was like, "Oops, you fucked up. So now it's time to burn your shit down." And you get the sense from this show that, that that this show will always do that. It will it will see it's abusive system brought to its knees because they keep trying to drag an abused person back into it. Because they keep forgetting that human beings have value. And I just thought that was... I just thought that was a cool concept to run with for a show. And to be really unapologetic about it. And on that note, if you liked this episode, new episodes of the podcast are currently only coming out on Thursdays. Once again, the Wednesday show, which was the new show, and the Sunday show, which was the, like, metatextual, like, bigger issues show, are both on hiatus for the time being. Um, the Sunday show will probably make a reappearance, um, for the, for Anime NYC in November. I still have to reserve a hotel room for that, but I'll do that this weekend. But, um, in the meantime, I've been Alex, this has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you next Thursday.